So listen, last week we talked about uh, hearing God's voice. If you want to, you can, you can turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians 14, and I'm going to read some stuff from there here in just a minute. I'm going to give you some review last week. I know a lot of people weren't here last week. Last week we, we talked specifically about, about hearing God's voice. And if you'll remember, a couple of the things that we mentioned were, were in the Old Testament. We talked about Samuel how he was one of, the, one of the first major prophets in Israel. And when he was just a boy, when God called him, he, he heard the voice of the Lord, but he couldn't discern that it was the Lord's voice, right? And, and three times the Lord called for him and said, Samuel, and he went to the priest, Eli, and said, you called for me. And Eli said, no, I didn't call for you. Go back to bed. And finally they realized, Eli realized, this is the Lord calling for you. You need to speak and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Uh, so, so, even in that process, one of, the, one of Israel's greatest prophets was named Samuel, and he had to learn how to hear and discern the voice of the Lord. So he, he, even that was a learning process for him. It's the same for Jeremiah. The Lord called Jeremiah as a young man, and he, and he wrestled with how young that he was. And the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, well, I see, I see an almond branch. And then he, and he says, you, you see well, because this is what I'm going to do. And he says, Jeremiah, what do you see again? And he says, I see a boiling pot facing the north or something like that, which is weird, isn't it? And the Lord is showing him these pictures, but what is, what is God teaching him to do? God is teaching him to hear his voice through mental images, through seeing things, through, through vision. So, so it's a learning process for each person. Now, Samuel himself, if you read in the book of 1 Samuel, if you read in 2 Kings when Elijah and Elisha, who, who were, were the prophets after uh, Samuel, if you'll notice, a lot of times they have something following them, and it's called a, a, a school of the prophets. In some translations, you'll find there was a group of, uh, of prophets or there was a company of prophets that would follow them. But in Jewish history, the idea was is that Samuel actually got like a bunch of young men, and he knew that he was going to have to keep the prophethood alive of people who could hear the voice of God and declare God's word to the people around to keep them from falling into apostasy and worshiping other gods. So he would have this school of the prophets. And if, if you're having a school of the prophets, what are you doing? You're legitimately teaching people how to pray. You're teaching people how to listen for the voice of God. And then you're teaching people, once they hear and discern the voice of God, how to deliver that word effectively and properly. Now, there's a difference between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy, and we'll get into that. But, but just for review's sake, I want to see if anybody can get this. Last week, I gave you the, word, the, the Hebrew word for prophecy. It's Nabal, right? And that means, I gave you a definition for it. Can anybody remember it? I'll give you $100 minus $100. Bubbling up, that's it, yeah. So the, the Hebrew, Nabal means to prophesy, and it also means a bubbling forth or a bubbling up. And so we said that the voice of God most of the time is this, because like we said, audibly, if I, the reason you're hearing me right now is because it's physical. I have, a, I have a voice box and vocal cords that produce a vibration in the air, and there are sound waves that your ear is designed to catch, and it enters in and it vibrates your eardrum, but guess what? Your eardrum sends that sound to your brain, which is your soul, your mind, your will and emotions for processing. And your, brain, your soul processes that, okay? On the other hand, God is not physical, so he doesn't have physical vocal cords. He doesn't send you a physical sound wave. He sends you a spirit wave because he's spirit. So when he speaks, it doesn't hit your physical ear. It hits your spiritual ear. And when Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. He's talking about your ability to hear in the spirit. But the same way you hear something physically and it goes into your mind and your mind starts to process it. When you hear something spiritually, where does it go? Into your mind for processing. Now, a lot of times a spirit, even a demon, will speak to us and, it, and what happens is there's a bubbling up of negative thoughts. There's a bubbling up of condemnation. There's a bubbling up of fear. There's a bubbling up of anxiety. And you know that that's not the Lord. You discern that's not the Lord. But on the other hand, if I tune into the Lord and I come still before the Lord, we remember when, when, when God spoke to Elijah, right? The Lord, there was a great wind, but the Lord was not in the wind. And there was a great fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And there was a great earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then what came? A still, small voice. Literally, in the Hebrew language, a delicate, whispering voice. If I, if I am whispering. See, I said, hey, force right then, but there's no way he heard me. 
In order for him to hear my delicate whisper, what would he have had to done? He would have had to put his ear close to my lips. That means the way that you begin to hear God is you hear him through intimacy. You get closer to him. You steal yourself. You drown out all the loud stuff in your soul so that you can draw near to him and hear him. You got to get still before him to hear his voice. So we talked about all that stuff, right? And the Lord's vo voice most of the time is a bubbling up of thoughts, verses, impressions, ideas, concepts, feelings, stuff like that. And then you put all that together and, and the Lord can begin to bring that into a message. So, so here's, here's the other thing. Every single one of us, and there's a reason we do these lab nights, they're designed for practice, okay? Because there's no way, I was listening to a guy last night, and I know everybody, and people in our church come from different backgrounds. They started out Presbyterian, they started out Catholic, they started out Pentecostal, they started out different areas. And really our church is sort of like, um, I don't know that you would designate us any one of those things. Now we believe in the spiritual gifts the way that a Pentecostal would believe in them, but a lot of times the way that we think those things ought to be operated in are a little bit different. Uh, because we don't believe that, that the, the Spirit of God is just a free-for-all. We believe that there's order and structure, and, there's, there's, there is, and that's, that's biblical, right? So, so we all want to hear from, from God. We want to do these things. But let me tell you this. It takes practice. If you cannot learn to hear from God among people in a church house and give a word to somebody in a church, is there any way you're going to give it to somebody in public who you don't know? You're not going to do it. So the idea here is that a lab night is, it provides a healthy atmosphere where we can start to step out in faith and practice what God has given us to do so that maybe when I'm in public or whenever I've got a friend or somebody near, I'm open. I'm not forcing anything, but I'm open to saying, God, what do, you, do you have anything for the people that are right here in my midst right now, as crazy as it may be? Is there anything that you might have for them right now that I can give them to speak to them? And the Lord may just drop something into your spirit. And, and, but, but, but if you've never practiced it, see, that's the reason there was a school of the prophets. Samuel was raising up young prophets to hear the voice of God. Why? Because once their gift was developed and once they developed their relationship with God and they maintained a lifestyle of purity, what would happen? God would call them because they had been set apart and they had been practicing. And all of a sudden he anoints that development of the gift and he sends them to people. And he says, now that you hear my voice clearly, I'm sending you to say this. So we have to develop those gifts that God gives us. Amen? All right. So we practice and we grow uh, and we get breakthrough. And we believe, obviously, that God is, is still speaking. And some people, today, some people will say, well, you know, God doesn't speak any longer. He only, spe he only spoke through the Word 2,000 years ago. But it's like we said, if He only spoke through the Word, there are millions of decisions that you've got to make that you're not going to find a verse for in the Bible like who to marry or different things like that. You're just not going to find those verses in there. You need to hear specifically from the Lord. The Lord's not going to tell you what house to buy, or the Bible's not going to tell you what house to buy. To, to buy. You need to hear from the Lord. Uh, you need to get direction from Him. Now, the Scripture are the guidelines. God will never speak something to you outside of the boundary of Scripture, and Scripture is the, are the guidelines for any prophetic word. It has to be judged by Scripture. We don't add anything to Scripture. Scripture is canon. It is authoritative word of God. Your prophetic word is not authoritative. It is judged. It is judged by the word of God. It is judged by others. So I can't just give a word of prophecy and say, thus saith the Lord, and it have the same weight as written scripture. It just don't, and it never will, okay? And it will always be under the scrutiny of, of us. It'll always be under the scrutiny of the word of God, and it has to be measured against the word of God. But still, we've got we've to step out. Now, I don't know about you, but see, when I got involved, and when I really gave my life to Jesus... When I was about 20, I got involved in, in church and stuff like that. And I can remember, I had no idea what the spiritual gifts were, but I read about them in 1 Corinthians 12. I started praying. I started asking the Lord for these things to happen. And I can remember specifically, before I even really gave my life to Jesus, I went to a church and, and a guy. Now, notice this. I was sitting in the back, and I kid you not, I was, about, I was probably 19 or 20 at the time. And I was, I was coming off a light buzz from earlier in the day. I know that may, may be funny, may not be. But I went to church having been a little bit high a little bit earlier in the day. And, I, and, and I'm telling you this to, to, to prove a point to you. And I went into the church and I'm sitting in the back. And I didn't go to church that much at this point. I was just sort of hungry and empty and depressed. And I went and I sat in the back. And this guy was uh, speaking. And, and they said that this guy was 
a prophet. And I thought, I thought, I don't even really know what that means. It's kind of funny. Uh, I'll go in and check this dude out and see what's going on here. I was curious. So while he's up there, he said, I see somebody here and you're in your, you're in your bedroom. And he said, you've got books laid out all around your floor. And at that particular time, if you went in my bedroom, there were books laid out all around my floor. And he said, you are hungry for the truth. And he said, you've been searching, you've been reading all sorts of things. And the Lord right now at this time in your life is getting ready to reveal to you exactly what the truth is because he is the truth. And then he just said, all right. And he went back into his message. And I was sitting there like, man, I feel like that's probably me. And I'm sitting in the back. And so I sat around and I waited on this guy. And people were leaving and I was just kind of watching this guy. And I was sitting in the back. And he walked by me and he's, he's just walking by me like this. And then he stopped where I was at. And he looked at me and he said, hey, son, how you doing? I said, I'm doing pretty good. He looked at me. He said, did you hear me talking about you up there? And I never met this guy before. And I said, yeah, yeah, I heard that. And he, and he, just, he came over and he shook my hand. And he said, listen, the Lord's going to do some amazing things in your life. And when he said that to me, it was like something unlocked in my heart. Do you, now, I want you to understand this. That happened in the summer uh, when I was about, when I was, I, I guess I was, I, anyway, it happened in the summer, June or July, and I was still really struggling with some addictions, and I did not really get fully set free and quit my old pattern and lifestyle for another six months. Now, that dude didn't give me a word of condemnation. He didn't say, I see the sin in your life. He didn't say, I see what you're doing. I see that you're high. Your eyes are bloodshot. Bless God. What did he do? He got into the spirit and saw my future in God. Okay. And, and now he could have talked to me awful. And what would that have done? That would have led me to a place where I said, well, God hates me. The church hates me. Nobody wants me. There's nothing good for me. I'm not coming back here because all he do is judge me. But this man saw something in me beyond what I could ever see about myself. And it unlocked something in me. And guess what? His word actually led me to repentance. Okay. Think about that. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Now, uh, on down the road, I remember when God called me to preach, I knew very little of the Bible. I'd been reading it for about a year, and I thought in my mind, I'm an idiot. There's no way I can preach. And I remember God was putting this pressure on me to step out and just, and, and just speak and say, uh, you know, tell, tell the people that I'm calling you to preach, and I'm calling you to be a minister of the gospel. I said, I can't do that, Lord. You're going to have to give me something more than that. And I kid you not, as I'm laying down on the floor praying, and I said, God, you're going to have to give me something more than that. As soon as I said that, a lady put her hand on my shoulder, stood me up, and began to whisper in my ear and says, the Lord says that you've been called to preach his gospel, and the time is now. Do not delay. Step out, because as you step out, he will equip you to do what he's called you to do. Now, that's in season, isn't it? Do you know how much that helped me? It, it, it launched me at that. Now, if I had not stepped out of that at that time, I could have put it off for another year. I could have put it off for months. And finally, I could have gotten so discouraged that I may not have even stepped into my calling. That's, that, people do that. Okay. But because that word came at the right time in season, what did it do? It made me then. I didn't have a, I didn't have a choice then. It was like, I got to stand up. You know, last week, I, I think, and Kendra would be able to tell you more about it, but you know, the words that she got were honestly about her, about her singing and doing stuff. And she had a conversation with Justin. My point being is sometimes when a prophetic word comes, it actually launches you into the next season of your life. It launches you into the calling that you've been putting off. It launches you into stepping out into something that you've been putting off. And, and that's why it's so important. It's such an important gift in the kingdom of God because if God were to just begin to unveil everything that he thinks about you and I and our church and this community, we would say that is impossible. There's no way that's too good. It's too good to be true. But when we start to tap into his heart, he starts unveiling some of that stuff and we start seeing it all of a sudden. Then we start pressing toward it because now we're seeing it. And that's what hearing God's voice and the prophetic is really all about. So... Now, some people, I'll say this about, about prophecy, is some people, they prophesy out of their own skewed view of God. Now, my point being is some people have a, a marred image of God. I've had people prophesy, and, and I'll say this too, sometimes when you get into a, a culture where there is prophecy, I tell this, tell this all the time, and it's not really a joke, but it's funny, but I was, prophes I was prophesied too, or I should say it this way, there were three young women that were prophesied to that they were all going to marry me at different times, and I didn't marry any of them. 
That's probably wrong, wasn't it? Probably not a good prophetic word. People can get into their own souls and have their own souls lead them because their desires and their emotions are leading them over and above what they want is leading them and not the Spirit of God. Okay, that's why you steal your soul and you allow the Spirit of God to say, these are your emotions, these are your feelings, these are your thoughts, and here's what I really want to speak. And you've got to be careful with that. And that's also why in Scripture, we're going to read in 1 Corinthians 14, that prophecy should always be judged. Nobody has the authority. I don't care if I pastor for 50 years to just get up and say, thus says the Lord, and everybody just take it as God's word. It has to be tested. It has to be judged. Nobody, nobody just takes it. Anytime I receive a word, now sometimes I receive it, and I'll be like, okay, that's God. But I'm still going to, and sometimes I receive it, and I'm like, I don't know if that's God or not. I put it on the back burner. I told you last week about how I got a word from a guy recently, and he got half of it right, but half of it he got wrong. Now, if I'd have took the second half, I would have been looking to move. I'd have been like, honey, pack of bags. We're going to another city. But, what, but, but that's not, that wasn't what God had for me, was it? He heard, but he didn't hear clearly. So we, one of the things we got to learn is, is to grow in it, that there's room for grace. The other thing, the reason that people are turned off by spiritual gifts altogether is because they think if God does something through a person, it should be flawless and perfect. Is it flawless and perfect? God is flawless and perfect, but guess what? He chooses to flow through flawed vessels. So when it comes through us, we know in part, we prophesy in part. We don't see these things as clearly as they could be, but we're learning to grow in it and we're learning to see more clearly as we go. So we got to have some bumpers that are kind of put on. Now, let me put one bumper on, on a word that you hear from God for you. Revelation 19.10 says this, The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of, of Jesus. So all prophecy is really founded and rooted in who Jesus is and his redemption and his love for humanity. So the spirit of prophecy is ultimately pointing you to what Jesus has done for you and dying for you on the cross, shedding his blood for your sins, purchasing your redemption, him revealing the love of the Father for you, his purpose in your life to transform you, make you a new creation, fill you with his spirit and empower you to bring this redemption to other people throughout humanity. This, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Ultimately, all prophecy is going to point to Christ and his redemptive work in your life, through your life, or in somebody else's life. Does that make sense? So if it gets way out in left field and you get into these prophets that are always talking about bank account numbers and weird stuff like that, I'm not saying that the Lord can't give you a bank account number. But if he gives it to you, what is the purpose behind it, right? What's he pointing to? What's all this stuff pointing to? It ultimately is about Jesus. So 1 Corinthians 14, here's what it says. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, I heard somebody say to me one time, you know, man, spiritual gifts aren't really that important. Love is what's important. And I said to them, if there's a $100 bill on the ground and a $5 bill on the ground, which one do you pick up? You pick up both of them. That's exactly right. <laughs> Nobody just picks up the 100 and says, well, that five ain't worth much. <laughs> now, they're, gonna pick, they're going to pick up both of them. Love is absolutely the most important thing, but you know that Jesus demonstrated his love for humanity through many of the spiritual gifts that he manifested. One of the ways that he demonstrated his love was by healing the sick, giving an encouraging word to the afflicted. See, that's how he, it, the spiritual gifts are a means of releasing the love of God to the world. That's, that's what they are. So you don't just leave one off. And, and, and not pursue the other. So he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Notice what he says. But especially that you may prophesy. So he's saying, I want, I, I want everybody to really focus on prophecy. And he says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So here's what he's saying. He says, look, when somebody comes in church and they speak in tongues, 
He says what they're doing is they're speaking mysteries in the Spirit to God. No man understands Him. Okay? So when a person speaks in tongues and they're praying in tongues, no person understands that. He says, but he's speaking mysteries to God in the what? In the Spirit. In the Spirit. And then he says, so he says, I want you all to speak in tongues, but I would rather you prophesy because the person who speaks in tongues builds up himself. Praying in tongues is a means of spiritually building yourself up. And just what we said earlier, praying in tongues, last week, praying in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my what prays? My spirit prays. I'm tuning into the realm where God's spirit lives and I'm praying from my spirit so that I can actually begin to hear. And because my under somebody said, well, see, your understanding is unfruitful. Tongues ain't no good. No, he's saying your understanding is unfruitful because it begins to make your mind a blank canvas. You're no longer trying to think your mind is blank. Why? So now you can hear from the spirit. Okay. He can, he can be the one that speaks through you. So, if, and he says, so what is it then? He said, I'll pray with the, t- I'll pray in the spirit and I'll pray with the understanding. I'll sing in the spirit and I'll sing with the understanding. He's even saying, I'm going to sing in tongues sometimes. Somebody amen me, right? So praise God. It's just scripture. I like Bible. Bible's good. But he says, when you're in the church, what, you know, here's the thing. Let's just say we all started speaking in tongues. Would that be okay? In this setting, it probably would. Because we're just in a meeting together. Most of us are believers. We know what's going on. We don't have any unbelievers here. And if we just decided, hey guys, let's pray in the Spirit together for 30 minutes. We could do that. And it'd be okay. But when a Sunday morning comes around, you got different people going on around in the church. Is it wise for us to do that? It is not wise for us to do that. If you are going to pray in tongues, you probably best do it privately before you come into the Sunday morning service. And if you do it privately before the Sunday morning service, guess what? You are edified. You are built up. You're full of the Spirit of God. So now you can come into the church, and if God needs to, He can speak a word of understanding through you. So when I'm up, look, before I preach, I'm in a room somewhere praying in tongues. When I preach, how many times do you hear me speak in tongues? None. You know why? Because you won't understand it if I speak in it. But if I have been speaking in tongues privately, I'm built up. And now when I speak and when I preach, God, because I'm tuned into his spirit, is going to give me the right word for the right moment because I am edified. Now I can edify you. If I'm built up, I can build up others. So he says, when you come together, he said, I would rather you prophesy because tongues edifies an individual, but prophecy edifies the church. It builds the church up. Now, does that make sense? You see the distinction there, right? I didn't want to focus much on tongues because every time you do, it's a whole nother rabbit hole, son. It's Pandora's box. So here's what he says, though. He says, he who prophesies speaks. Now, what does it say? He speaks condemnation, guilt, and fear. No. He speaks edification. Right? He speaks encouragement. Now, you, depending on your translation... Mine says edification, exhortation, and comfort. So it's building up, encouragement, and comfort. A prophetic word when it comes, you know, I I heard a prophetic word come forth one time, and it was about, you know, how God is going to punish you. You reckon that was a prophetic word from the Lord at that particular time? just, Just take it on face value. Now, I'm not saying that, I don't, I'm not saying totally throw it out. I'm just saying based on that scripture. When a prophetic word is given, what should it bring based on that scripture? It should bring encouragement. It should, bring, it should build the person up and strengthen the person. Or it should bring them comfort. It should not bring fear. It should not bring manipulation. And it should not turn them right away from God. Now, here's what I believe. In, now, in the Old Testament, I need you to understand this. In the Old Testament, prophecy was different than in the New Testament. Because they were under a different covenant. Somebody said, there was, a, there was a lady that came by and said, well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, said, well, that's that guy that doesn't believe in the Old Testament. You guys know better than that. I believe in the Old Testament. I preach from the Old Testament, which I told her. I said, no, we believe in the entire Bible from the front to back, Genesis to Revelation. I said, but you do have to understand that there is a difference in covenants, that we are no longer under the Old Covenant. Because the old covenant is based on your righteousness, based on your works, based on your performance. The new covenant is based on Christ's works, Christ's righteousness, Christ's performance. 
That's a big difference. Now, how, how does that play out in prophecy? How it plays out in prophecy is this, is if I'm in the old covenant and I give a prophetic word, I am coming to expose your sin and call you to repentance. And I'm call, and if, I, if, if I'm a prophet, like, you know, when the prophet would show up in the Old Testament, everybody would be scared and they'd be like, you force her against us. And the prophet would be like, I'm against you boys and the wrath is coming. You know, and he'd give a hard judgmental word because he was, it, the, the covenant was about their righteousness and they always failed. They always blew it. But new covenant prophecy is about his righteousness. So there's a difference. Now, let me, let me, let me put it to you like this too. There is a difference between discernment and prophecy. There's even a gift of the spirit called discerning of spirits, right? Okay. And sometimes you discern a spirit that's at work, whether it be a spirit of fear or a spirit of manipulation, uh, could be a spirit of lust. Uh, but here, let put it to you like this. If I'm sitting down counseling a young man and this has happened and I just really sense a struggle with, let's just say lust. Okay. Now I discern that. I sense it. The Holy Spirit's revealed this, this, boy, this young man is struggling with lust badly. Now, I could confuse that for prophecy and say something like this. The Lord's revealed to me, son, that you're struggling with lust. You're looking at porn, and God says, stop it now. Did y'all feel that right then? What would that feel like to him? Here's what I can promise you. I can promise you that that young man, if he's coming and talking to a pastor, he's already convicted. He already feels terrible about himself. And he's living up under so much guilt and condemnation, right, because of that, that it's already distancing him from God. The only way he's going to get set free from that lust is if he gets closer to God. So if I make him sin conscious in that moment, it's not going to bring him to repentance. It's going, it'll put him into a cycle of trying harder and failing and feeling more like garbage and thinking God is mad at him and actually drive him further away from God. Somebody amen me. But if I discern that he's struggling with lust and then all of a sudden I say, Lord, I see what he's struggling with. What's your heart toward him? And then all of a sudden I get a word and the word is, you know what, son, right now God sees your struggle and he knows your struggle, but he wants you to know that by the blood of Jesus, you are clean and he has made you pure in his sight and holy and blameless. And he knows your struggle. He knows your weakness, but he says that you come to him. You come boldly to the throne of grace because he will strengthen you and he will bring deliverance and he will cause you to overcome in the struggle that you're facing. And he loves you more than you'll ever know. See the difference. There's a difference between discernment and prophecy. And there's also a difference in the way that these gifts work together. For example, a word of knowledge, discerning of spirits is a revelation gift. A word of knowledge is a revelation gift. A word of wisdom is a revelation gift. That means that something is revealed to you that you could not have known otherwise. So somebody might start out with you. I told you recently about the guy that I was counseling with. He listens to this podcast now and he heard me talking about him on here the other day. But he said, that's cool. I got his, I got his pass. But remember, I told you about it like he, he was dealing with multiple personality disorder. And I came in here and I was praying. And I'll just tell you the truth. I can say it since it ain't a Sunday morning. I won't freak everybody out. But I was praying and, and I was just walking around. And I was praying in tongues. And in my spirit, this name came to my mind really loudly. And it turned out that one, the personality that we ended up dealing with, that where the stronghold was in his mind, it was that particular name. And when I told him, he said, well, well you, you know, and it, it, it opened his heart to saying, okay, God's up to something. But now if I give, now that's a word of knowledge. What does that lead me into? That opens his heart because he realizes, okay, man, this dude knows some stuff. God may really be at work in this. And then you use that to gain you entrance. And it may be something really simple. You may get a word of knowledge that this person is just dealing with fear. This person's dealing with anxiety. You just be sensitive to that. Something comes up. But then that leads you into a prophetic word. And you may say, you, that will lead you into a word of encouragement, a word of comfort. I see that you're dealing with anxiety and the Lord says to fear not because he's with you. you know, and then you start to lead into a word of prophecy. And then at the end, what's going to happen is God may give you a word of wisdom. And that is, now that you have released a word of encouragement to them, now how do they apply this to their life moving forward? And God says, as you move forward, you need to begin to take time in his word to set time apart to him to renew your mind. You, you give them a word of application. Does that make sense? See how those things work together. So the gifts, they work together. And there, there are some people that will sometimes even get a word of knowledge for healing. So 
Jessica will remember this. So Delcy that comes to our church, she was, the first time that, I, that she came here, I was up on stage and I, listen, I don't try to force anything, but for whatever reason that morning, I just felt like a flow. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how to explain that. I just, it's like you have a boldness and you just feel like saying anything to anybody. And you're just like, and you're just like this and you're just ready. I, it's just the Holy Spirit. You're, I get up here every Sunday morning and I'm like, I'm like, Lord, you can do whatever you want to do through me. And some mornings he just chooses to do more. And I know that I looked over at this woman, never seen her before in my life. And when I looked at her, I could not get, it's like, I just could not, I couldn't quit looking at her. I was like, okay, what is it, Lord? And then I, I, I sensed the Lord say something about her back and her ears. But out of my fear, I didn't say anything. And I sat there and looked at her for a minute. I said, I ain't saying that for all these people, Lord. I got the microphone right here. I ain't saying that for all these people. And so what I did, watch, watch me. Watch me take the coward's way out. I said, hey, Jess. You remember, don't you? I said, hey, Jess, see that woman right there? I said, hey, you, woman. I said, Lord loves you. He wants to bless you. Jess, pray for her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just took a big soft way out of it. I didn't try to get super spiritual or super specific. But listen what happened. Regardless of me releasing that word, look how good God is. Jess prayed for her, and she told me later that her, her back was healed, and, she, and her, her ear had been like clogged up or something because she had an infection in it or something. I don't know, some, some kind of something going on. And it just drained out. The Lord healed her and it so impacted her. She said, and here's what she said. She said, I've never been to a hole in this church like that before. <laughs> and, 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 she, and she said, but so she leaves and she's driving down the road. And as she's driving down the road, it so is messing with her heart that she says, I had to pull over on the side of the road and give my life back to Jesus. Think about that, man. That's crazy, isn't it? Now, and I didn't, and I blew it. The Lord gave me specific. Now, if I'd have been super spiritual and really cool, I'd have said, the Lord says right now that you've got serious back pain. And not only that, your ear is clogged up on one side. You know what I'm saying? You'd have done it like that and been real cool. And that would have been weird. Don't do that. <laughs> what would have been better probably is if I had come off stage and went to her and said, look, I think maybe this is from God. Is something going on with your ear and your back? You got some back pain, something in your ear? And she just said, yeah, I do. And then I prayed for her, and then the Lord would have done his thing. But the Lord did his thing either way. Just goes to show you, we don't even have to be perfect. The Lord still do what he, is, what he wants to do, won't he? Basically, he was saying, Clay, I'm about to heal this woman's back and her ear, and you can announce that if you'd like. If not, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> So that's, that's, I mean, that's, and that's, that's how these things work. Now, let me read just a few more, a few more verses here. Um, in chapter 14, I'm going to skip a bunch because I get way carried away. Let's look at um, verse 18 and 19, just really quick. It says, I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, we talked about that. He said, I thank my, I got my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you all put together. He was saying, I speak in tongues more than the whole Corinthian church. But he's saying, I know how to do it and when to do it. Now, in Pentecostal-type circles and churches, it's kind of gotten to the place where you know, like everybody just wants to shout and speak in tongues real loud and be flagrant and all that. But I, here's what I want you to understand something about our church. Now, if, if that's what you're looking for, City of Hope may not be the place for you. The reason being, because we just don't think that's biblical. We don't think that's scriptural. It can be fun sometimes for the people who do it. But there's a lot of people. I've even had people that come to this church right now that go to this church. They, they're still even wondering whether or not these, these spiritual gifts are real. I mean, they don't know. Because they've been in churches that have taught either they, they weren't real or taught that, and you know what? That's not their fault. And we, don't, we, and we can't judge them and we can't say you're not a part of us. We want to invite them into this culture. But I've had people tell me, if you all had done it like that, we would have never, never come back. We wouldn't even come here. But now they're opening up to it and they're stepping into it and God is using them. So this is why... Paul actually says, he says, if, if people come into the church and you're all speaking in tongues, he said, will they not say that you're insane? That's what the Bible says. Okay? So we don't want to be those, that, that church where people say, man, them people was insane. 
We want to be those people that say, hey, those people do things that are different that we don't know about, but you know what? They explain it. They teach it. They make sense of it. And, 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 and they're not, they're not, they don't condemn me because I don't believe like they do. They are inviting. They love. That's, and, that's, and that's really where love has preeminence, is you don't push that stuff on people. You use it in love, right? So in verse 20, 22 and 25... I need to skip some stuff, but look at, let's look at 24 and verse 25. It says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now notice what he's saying. He says, look, if, if, if all of y'all come together and y'all speak in tongues, they'll say you're crazy. But if all of y'all come together and you prophesy correctly, he says, they're going to be people, their secrets of their hearts are revealed. They're going to fall down on their face and worship God and say, man, God is truly among you all. Now, how many of y'all would like to see that happen in the church, right? It would be powerful, wouldn't it? And let me tell you something. It does not have to be wild for that to happen. It can be calm. It can just be people hearing from the Lord. You don't have to even be, say any, thus saith the Lord's. Just simply, this is what the Lord is saying right now, and all of a sudden it hits their heart like a sledgehammer, right? And they fall down and they say, man, God is truly among you guys. Something's going on. So then it says, notice this, verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So he says, and I, and I told you this, it says all may prophesy one by one. So it would not be out of order in this particular setting. Now, here's another thing that you've got to understand is that when Paul was meeting with these churches, do you know that they didn't have church buildings? They met in people's houses. They were likely, most likely, small house church groups of anywhere from 10 to 40 people, tops. And they would all come together, and they didn't have three songs and then an offering. They met, and they began to worship God, and sometimes they didn't even have music. They were just singing, singing until the Spirit of the Lord began to move, and some of them would say, you know what, the Lord's moving me to sing this song. Someone would say, hey, right now the Lord has given me a word and I believe it's for the church. And they got up and then, and then somebody would get up and actually teach. And they were bringing these different things. And he said, but when the, when the spirit of prophecy begins to work, he said, look, all of you may prophesy and you may all do it. But he said, let it be done in order because God is not the author of confusion. If something happens, and I'll be honest with you, there are going to be things happen when you step out on faith that are confusing. But it's just important that we judge those, that we learn from them, and that we move on. And some people are just, listen, when you're in a church, some people are just going to mess up a lot. And you just got to give them grace. Somebody amen me, right? You got to give them grace and say, that's all right, it's all good. And then, and then, you, and then you continue to, to learn, you continue to grow. But he says, you may all prophesy one by one, but he says this, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What you got to understand is nobody loses control when they're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Pentecostal church, they always taught it to me like you did lose control. It just took you over. You know, and you just went, went, down, went and walked down there somewhere. And I'm, not trying to, and I'm not trying to make fun or anything, but you understand my point. It's like, oh, I just couldn't contain myself. No, you can always contain yourself because the Spirit... Now, don't get me wrong. The Spirit can manifest powerfully. He can, he can knock you down. He can do all kinds of things. But when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, God is not the author of confusion, but of order and peace, okay? So if I get a word, and I, I mean, my heart may be beating out of my chest, but I can actually hold it and wait for a proper time. I don't have to get up and interrupt anybody. I don't have to break out in the middle of the preaching and just say, hey, the Lord gave me a word, you know, and, and, and do something like that. I, I can't tell you the number of times I'd be preaching and then, and back in the day in mid-sermon, somebody let out a big tongue. And I'd be like, I'm trying to get done with my message right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That happened all the time. And I'm thinking, just save that to the end. Just save that to the end. Um, but, but you understand what we're talking about, right? There's order, there's structure. 
and, and there's a way. Now, the Spirit will manifest, and you, you, ha- you, you learn to flow with that, but there is a flow to what the Spirit is doing. So, anyway, has everybody got a, a piece of paper? If you don't, I'll get you one. And a pen. Who doesn't have a pen and a piece of paper? Sure. And you can use uh, you can use your iPhone if you want to. In the notes, or your tablet, yeah, we're not we're not technology. We don't shun technology. And um, so we're going to do a few exercises, okay? Now, the first exercise is going to be real simple, and they're going to increase. I'm going to give you four exercises, and they'll be simple. And they're going to, but we're going to increase a little bit. And by the end, here, I want you to say this with me, though. Say, it's okay if I just observe. Good. That means you don't have to do anything. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit nor I will bring pressure or manipulation upon you. Um, and here's another thing I want you to say. It's okay if I mess up. It's okay if I say something really dumb. So we've got grace out there for everybody, right? You don't have to be perfect. We're just learning. We're learning. So here's what we're going to do the first. This, this first one, we're just going to call it honor time. I like to call it honor time because it's just a place where you honor the Holy Spirit and you, and you don't set an agenda. And you just sit down before the Lord and you take a minute to be still and say, Lord, are you saying anything to me? Are you saying anything to someone else? Are you saying something to our group corporately? Okay. So we're just going to honor. On, will you play some music for about, we're going to play it just for two, three minutes. Just take a moment, be still before the Lord, just honor the Holy Spirit and ask Him, is there anything you want to say to me, to somebody specifically here, or to us as a whole? So the second part. All right, you got a piece of paper, right? Now, if you don't want to participate, again, you don't have to. Just let me know whenever I receive the papers. Uh, So on this piece of paper, somebody's going to get your piece of paper, but you don't know who's going to get this piece of paper. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) You don't know who's going to get this piece of paper. And here's what you're going to do. Take that piece of paper, and you're going to ask God's heart for this person. And here's the first thing. Here's the first thing that I want you to do. I'm going to try and make it simple for you. You're going to ask the Lord, Lord, do you have a scripture for this person? Now, if you don't know the Bible well, that's fine. Because it just whatever comes to your mind, if it's a biblical concept, if it's a biblical theme, whatever, that's fine. If you can't quote a verse verbatim, that's fine. Or if you have a verse in your mind, but you're not sure what it is, you know what I always do? I just Google it. I'll be like, man, I know it's in the Bible. And I'll start writing it out, and then it'll be like Leviticus 12, 11. You know what I'm saying? So, so you can do that if you want to. Leviticus. I've not read Leviticus recently. Um, so ask, ask, Lord, is there a verse from the from scripture that you want to give to this person? Write that down or write down the theme or the concept of it. And sometimes the Lord will even give you a verse and be like, he'll just give you like, somebody the other day said they got Acts like 713 or something like that. And then I went and looked it up. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you want to look it up before you give it to him. Maybe Judas went and hung himself, you know, you know. <laughs> that's that's a bad that's a bad church joke, you know. <laughs> okay, so ask ask the Lord for a scripture, then ask the Lord, what do you love most? What do you love about this person? What's one thing you love about this person? So a scripture, Lord, what's one thing you love about this person? 
And then, is there anything else you want, want me to say? So y'all got those things? A scripture? One thing you love about this person, is there anything else you want to say to them, Lord? Okay? Y'all ready? We're going to take about two, three minutes. That's good right there, boys. So do you see, but now do you see that, how, how all of those words create a word of prophecy? So, so you bring them together and they all work. And here's the other thing that's about, about the Lord is, the Lord is really cool in the sense that he wants us to always work together as a body. He doesn't want Clay, the pastor, or anybody else. This is not about spiritual professionals doing all the work. He wants everybody to have the words and then they pour in together and they work together. And, and I mean, that's, that's how gifts, he's not going to give one dude all the gifts. And he's not going to give one person all the answers. Dude, I'm so glad you got two daughters. Because I wrote that. <laughs> I'm so pumped about that. <laughs> did you really? This is the first thing I wrote down. Yeah, that's essentially exactly what I got. Restora- I wrote down restoration. And, and I also wrote down, I, I wrote down Isaiah 61, but I wrote down this particular part of it. It says that he, he's going to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So that's good, man. Is that encouraging to you? So here's what, here's what we'll actually do. Now, here's what I like to do if we do that. If we get a word like that, the reason I jotted all those thoughts down was because even though that's scrambled, I'll be able to get set down later and actually write it out for him. Then I can send it to him, and he can hold on to that. And in a year when he's in a bad spot, he can pull that out and say, man, I remember when the Lord said this to me. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy that you wage warfare with the prophetic words that are spoken over you. And you can go to war with the devil because of what God has said to you here today. And you say, Lord, you gave me a word about my daughters. You know what I'm saying? That's how that works. So stand up. And I want you to just sort of face them. And they're going to stretch their hand toward you. And now we're going to pray this word over him and seal it into his life. So stretch your hand toward him. Lord, we bless Tim right now in the name of Jesus. And we release the power of your Holy Spirit upon his life. And God, you've spoken to him tonight, Lord. And God, you've said that you're going to bring restoration into his life. And in this moment, God, you're bringing the, you're, you're, you're trading off, Lord God. You're bringing beauty for ashes, the, the, the oil of joy for, for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that's been upon his life, God. And you've brought him through this storm, this tsunami, and you've given him peace, God, and you've given him the ability to climb this mountain before him, God. And he is going to come into a place where he has face-to-face encounters with you and knows you personally as Yahweh, his Father, his God, his Savior. And Lord, you've already brought him there. And God, you, you're, you've calling him because he is going to be, Lord, he's going to be a bridge to people to come into this face-to-face encounter with God through the testimony that you've given him. And God, you're bringing restoration into his family. And Lord, the, the years that the canker worm have, have, have eaten, Lord, and the years that were, that were stolen from him, God, you're bringing restoration to those years, restoration to his family, Lord Jesus. And God, for his daughters and for his, for his son, Lord, there's a special blessing upon them and what you're doing and there's going to be great peace in their lives and redemption and they're going to see the change in their father God and there's going to be transformation and and just life abundant Lord as they come to you and you gift them and you equip them for what they have in 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 their future so Lord we just bless him and Lord we thank you God for what you're doing in his life and we release him God into the future into the calling that you have for him Lord in Jesus name we pray you seal this word into his heart and into his life
Amen. Amen. Bless you, buddy. Thank you. Love you, man. All right, it is after 8 o'clock. I always tell on I'm going to be, it's 8.12. Gee, can we do one more, one more or do we not have time? <laughs> huh? It sounded like everybody said we got time. I don't know. So we'll do one more. We'll do one more. That encourages you though, doesn't it? How encouraged are you now? Let me ask you this question from a biblical perspective. Do you feel edified? <laughs> I feel quite edified after today's service, Clay. That was a wonderful exhortation. <laughs> yeah. And that gives, I'm telling you, man, it, it edifies the church. You get built up. And this, look, and this is the first time, first time we've really done this together. What happens if we actually get real good at it? Yeah. What's that look like? I don't know. Yeah. That's good. It's a good practice. Yeah. Well, anytime you need it, call me up. We'll do hot seat, boy. I'm a hot seat man. Yeah. We'll figure. We'll figure something out. We'll call small groups off and just do lab nights every week. Forget small groups. We're lab nighting. Um. No. And I mean, and you and I have known each other for a little bit, you know. I mean, we've hung out a couple of times, but I had no idea you had any kids. I mean, so I don't know. I got scared. I wrote down daughters at the top, and I said, I'm going to save that for last. <laughs> and, and, then, and then when I said that motorcycle thing, I'm like, he probably don't even ride motorcycles. So, but it means something to you. It's a word of knowledge. You're, you ride motorcycles, and it's like, I just saw you riding one. Oh, I should ask the Lord to tell me what kind you had. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the other thing here's about God. Like sometimes when it comes to prophecy and churchy stuff, like to us, it's like him riding motorcycles. Lord don't care about that. Lord don't care. But what I fe- when I looked at you riding that motorcycle is I felt, I felt the Father's heart. Like I saw that you were enjoying it and I, I felt the Lord enjoying you enjoying riding the motorcycle. Does that make sense? And it's just like the Lord loves every little detail about us like that. And so... so he sees you riding that motorcycle and he's just watching you and smiling because he knows how much joy you get out of it. All right, we're going to do one more. Y'all, y'all good? This is, we're going to take it one step further. This is going to be scary for everybody. You ready? Maybe you are. If you don't want to do it again, you don't have to. So, but here's what I'm going to end up doing and I want you to be prepared so if you want to opt out, you can opt out. And then you can just watch. But, but I'll say this. If you, if you choose to opt out, I want you to get in a group anyway and just listen to them interact. That way, you, at least you're part of it. And then maybe you can step out and launch in. So, so I'm going to match people up with one person. And y'all are going to do what we just did with him to each other. Okay? Who, who wants out? 
Yeah, I'm serious. I'm serious. Who got one? Thank you for being straight up. You want out? Okay, good deal. Anybody else want out? You don't want in? You don't, you don't want in? Okay. So, so the, only, the only thing I'd ask of you guys is when two people do get together, just, just kind of hang out with them and, li- and listen to them maybe. Is that cool? Everybody cool? Like it's perfectly okay to opt out. Nobody has to do anything. You're a cool person if you opt out. You're a cool person if you opt in. The Lord loves you. Um, but sometimes it's good to just step out and do something uh, that you never done. So here's what we're going to do first. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I want you to close your eyes. First of all, don't close your eyes. Look around. Look around at everybody you see. Look around at everybody you see. Look around. See them all? See them all? All right, now close your eyes. Now, I just want, the first thing is, I want to see if, you, if you're just drawn to any particular person. Don't force it, but if somebody just keeps coming to your mind and you're drawn to them, I want you to note that. All right, that's enough. Anybody drawn to anybody? Mitch, who you drawn to? Drawn to Richard? All right, I'm going to pair you boys up then. Who you drawn to? Jordan? Pair you boys up. Anybody else drawn to anybody? (laughs) You did that on purpose, Jacqueline. (laughs) You did that on purpose. Kendra? All right. Everybody good? Huh? Huh? Tyra? Okay. Drawn to Logan? Go with it. All right. So who, who, now, so y'all are partnered up. Who's not partnered up? All right, here's what I'm going to do just because I saw you two first. Ty Finn and Liana. Brian Coville, go with him. You two, Loretta and Forrest. Who, raise your hand high if you not got nobody yet. I'm going to go... I'm going to do this just because it's going... I want you two to go together. And I know that I just want you to do that. I felt that right then. And you two are left, right? We're going to do, we're going to do a triangle. Is anybody else left that didn't get in? Everybody good? All right, so, so if you're not in with somebody, maybe just hang out with another group. And like, like Phil, you, you and Bessie, if you want to, just kind of jump in with them and just linger and hang. And, may, and maybe, maybe it'll get to where you get something for each other. And then, and then we'll, we'll go, us three will kind of shift around. All right, so here's the deal. I want you to think about the person you're with and, and just for a, minute, for a minute, look at them, ask the Lord questions about them. Ask him how he sees them. Get God's heartbeat for them, how much he loves them, what he loves about them and all that. But here's the main thing. After you just sort of get God's heartbeat for them and what they're feeling, here's specifically what I want you to do. I want you to imagine you've got a bow and an arrow, and this arrow represents the prayer that God is giving you, and you're aiming this arrow at one particular part of their life, okay? And it could, it could be their home, could be finances, could be health. It's just, it's just like what with, with Tim, really the arrow that came to me first was his family. It was his daughters. That was the arrow. So, so almost everything ultimately came back with me shooting it, shooting it back at his family, so to speak, in a good, positive way. Um, but but where is that, where's, that, where's that at? Is their relationship with the God, their job, their ministry, their marriage, right down that area. And then, uh, as you have that target area, what you're going to do is you're going to start to just, as soon as you get that target area, just start to high, write out, not, not anything big in depth, but, but how you would pray something over them. Like, okay, if you're going to pray for them in this area, how would you pray? Like in the, if it's in the area of their, of their finances or if it's in the area of their relationship with God, I want to pray, pray this. And just sort of start to jot some notes. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out concept, but just something where you, you could use it as some points to pray it over them. 
And then we're going to kind of do like what we was doing. Just what kind of images, what kind of things are coming to you? And you're going to take all that, your prayer, your images, any kind of feelings you get, and you're going to collectively bring them together the same way I brought all of our collective thoughts together. And then you're going to speak that over them. And it may be something very short and simple. It doesn't matter. Just taking that leap of faith. Okay, sound good? All right, so let's take just one, two minutes and do that. 